Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. Our scripture reading this morning will be taken from the book of Acts, the first chapter, and beginning with the first verse, and you will find these words so recorded. The first account I compose, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach, until the day when he was taken up, after he had, by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of forty days, and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. And gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, You heard of from me. For John baptized with water, But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know time or ethics of which the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. And after he had said these things, he was lifted up uh, while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently in the sky while he was departing, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. And they also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus who went up uh, from you into heaven will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. Lord, help us for the sake of our own soul, the church, our community, and the world understand what Jesus is saying to us today. And you shall be my witnesses, so said the Lord Jesus Christ. These words of our blessed Lord to our modern ear today, it does not sound strange at all. In fact, we accept it as just something that is very modern. But when you stop to think about what Jesus is saying, these words are strange indeed. Because the Lord Jesus Christ, who was not very legal in any sense of the word, comes to use a very legal word to describe the relationship between he and you and I today. These are the last words of the Lord Jesus Christ before he went back into heaven to be with God. And I can think on this departing time, it was a very emotional packed time, of course, for the disciples, as well as you might expect it to be. Though it is not hinted too much within the scripture that is so, but it is interesting to note that there had to be two people from heaven to tell them that they shouldn't stand around on that hill, that they should get on with the business of living. 
And so I take it by that, that it was just as emotional of any situation that you've ever been in or ever will be in when you're saying goodbye to someone, especially if you're saying goodbye to someone for the last time for a long while. And so this was an emotional situation. Now it's interesting to note, for me it is, that the Lord Jesus Christ in his last words to his disciples, he uses a term that is used in the courtroom situation. I do not know anything that is more mystifying to me or baffling to me than a doctor's talk or unless it would be a lawyer's talk. I remember being in a lawyer's office some years ago now, a young lawyer. He says, I've got a very interesting case and I'll let you read the brief on it. Well, I didn't know what a brief was, still don't know what it is now, but he gave me a four or five sheets of typing paper with a lot of stuff typed on it. And it seems the case was a very interesting one. This husband had killed his wife's poodle and the wife was suing. But somewhere between the plaintiff and the accused and the corpus delecta, I got lost in it and could only remember that some husband killed his wife's poodle. Well, we come to this business of the legal terminology that's used in the courtroom, and I have been told by more than one lawyer that this words that they use in the courtroom have got to be very precise. And this is why they use some of these words that are sort of old to us and words that we don't use in everyday language, but are words that are used by the legal minds in order to describe a specific situation. Now, folk, I don't have to be too smart to know that when the Lord Jesus Christ, not being a legalist at all, but a great man of compassion and love, and using a legal term, he's trying to say something to us that is quite important. Now, I would be very presumptuous if I said to you this morning that I understand completely and totally everything that the Lord Jesus Christ had in mind when he gave these last words of instructions to his disciples. Well, I don't, but I want to tell you that I understand enough about it to keep me busy the rest of my life, and what I understand about what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying has kept me busy up until this time, and I expect to be busy the rest of my days trying to carry out exactly as I understand the instructions that the Lord Jesus Christ gave to his disciples. Now, he was talking about a very specific relationship. You see, there's three things I want to call to your mind this morning, just briefly, about what Jesus was talking about when he used the term, you shall be. It's not that you might be, it's not whether or not you want to be, but he is saying you shall be. Now, that's right positive and that's right definite, you see. Now, the matter really is, it's not whether or not you are a witness. There may be a question or not whether you are a good witness or not. That's the only question. You are a witness. And you're making your witness today by the way you live, one way or the other. It's either good or not so good or it's bad. But you shall be my witness, and that is a very positive, and that is an absolute with us. Now, I want to say... For you to be a witness, it means that you're conscious of something that has happened, an act or deed. There's something that has happened. And it can be very personal, not something that you've just seen, but it can be something so personal as something that's happened to you. And you're caught up in it in a very personal way. And I mean in a very emotional way. Something has happened to your heart and to your mind and to your life. The man Christ, the Son of God, as the scripture tells us, came by word, sign, wonder, deed, 
and proclaimed himself by all these acts that he was truly the Son of God. Uh, the lame walked. Old blind Barnabas there by the roadside, blind and could not see. When Jesus came by and he met the Lord Jesus Christ, and after he met the Lord Jesus Christ, he told the group later on, he said, This is one thing I know, that I was blind, but now I see. You see, as something happened. He was a witness to something that had happened to him. And then I remember the old Apostle Paul, before he became an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, going out to, to destroy the new faith of those who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, going out to put them down. And on the Damascus Road, the Lord appeared to him, and he was struck blind. Paul could also say, well, one day I, on the road to carry out my evil intent within my heart, in relation to those people who trusted and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, I was struck blind by the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I have met people through my life who have tried to insist upon us all having the same experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. And there are those who say, if you haven't had the experience of the Lord Jesus Christ like I have, you haven't had it yet. Well, I wonder how they explain this dilemma that they find with Barnabas, the blind person. He was blind, and he was able to see. And Paul was able to see, and he was smitten blind. And then I think about those two people who were on the road to Emmaus, and there's a third party that joined them and walked with them, and they did not know who it was, none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And the scripture tells us that their hearts burned within them. Well, I'm trying to simply to say to you, dear ones, that we are knowledgeable of something that has happened. Something that has happened, that has taken place. And I would pause to ask the question this morning, do you know that something has happened concerning you in your life and your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, the most of us here this morning, I'm quite sure, could respond to that in a very positive way and say, yes, indeed, I know. I know what you're talking about. Something has happened. I know it happened. I don't have to check out there somewhere. I don't even have to read back into the scriptures and find out what happened to the Lord Jesus Christ and what was done on Calvary for me and for my soul. Is All I have to do is check my own heart and soul and check my life today. And I know that it has been made so much better simply because I know that the Lord Jesus Christ is my personal Savior and Lord. Yes, something has happened and it has happened to me and I know it. Don't have to ask anyone. I don't have to ask a soul. Don't have to read about it. I know what I know that I know. And I know that I have been caught up in this wonderful, beautiful thing too. But there are some of us, in all honesty, would have to say this morning, well, no, the truth of it is, I don't know that something has really taken place. I really don't know. And that's a shame. You know car was brought home one day and had two very deep scratches in it. And so the owner of the car said to, to his wife two or three days later, how did you do this? She says, I didn't do it. What are you talking about? Well, it looks like you've sideswiped someone. I know I didn't do it, so you must have done it. You're the only one been driving it. So now how did you put those two deep scratches in that car? She says, I tell you, I did not do it, and if you keep on insisting, I'm not going to drive your car anymore. And I said, that's fine, don't you drive my car anymore. 
Now, you wouldn't think I'd be that mean, would you? But anyway, <laughs> I really wasn't. But uh, oblivious. You know, I had to sell that car to get rid of those two scratches. Oblivious to, I don't know where it happened. I'm sure she didn't do it. And I was not conscious of me doing it. So, but there's two scratches in that car. Oblivious to what has happened. You know, every once in a while I run into a real sad situation as being a preacher. And some years ago, I ran into a situation that was really sad of a man and his wife that he was a very, very, very rich person. They had no children and some distant kin. But he was a very, very rich man. And when I discovered he was a very, very rich man, I could hardly believe it because of the condition in which he made his wife live and the way that she told me that he provided for her in food, a very meager diet. Living in a building that was more leaning than it was standing up straight. And when it came that they had grown old and I was there at the time that this happened, they both of them were in the hospital at the same time. And one was across the hall from the other one. And I went to see him on several occasions, but one occasion I went to see him and I knew for him the time was pretty close. And this man passed away and a few months later she passed away and left all of their great accumulated fortune to distant friends and loved ones, and mainly, I think, to the state. Oh, yes, they belong to the Methodist Church, and I think he left $100 to the Methodist Church and $300 to the cemetery. I haven't figured that one out yet, but I'm still working on it. He seemingly thought more of the cemetery than he did the Methodist Church. Well, anyhow, here's a man that had a fortune and lived like they were poverty-stricken. Now, dear friends, let me say to you here, God in his infinite wisdom has intervened in this world and given to us the Lord Jesus Christ and empowered us through the Holy Spirit. And you and I, after God has done all of this, Jesus has done all that he is able to do and the Holy Spirit is willing and ready to help us to do what we need to do and we continue to live as if we were paupers in the kingdom of God. We continue to live as if we had spiritually never heard about the Lord Jesus Christ. You shall be my witnesses after God has done all that he has done in order for you to possess with him the kingdom of God, to leave to us and make us join heirs with him in his eternal great kingdom. And then you and I systematically go about this business of living as if God had never acted through the Lord Jesus Christ and we had never heard about the empowering of the Holy Spirit to help us to live and to do something creative today. And I want to tell you flat out, I think that's the greatest tragedy that could ever possibly happen to a human being. I'll tell you further. For us as a church to be made up with people who know what God has done and who has accepted the Lord Jesus Christ and then continue to live as if we did not have all this great accumulated wealth is a tragedy of tragedies. What does your life say as you go about living it daily? What does your life say about what God has done? Do you live in a meager way? Or 
are you empowered through your wisdom and understanding that you have of something that has happened and that happening has changed your life completely and totally right now and will keep a change for the rest of your days well you shall be my witnesses something has happened something has happened and we make a witness to that daily secondly you shall be my witnesses we are responsible for the knowledge that you and I have we know that something happened and we know that we know it and make no mistake about it we are held responsible for what we know we are held responsible there was a man standing in his little store door one day and right in front of his eyes in front of his store uh, there was a very bad wreck an accident and he was a witness to the whole thing in fact uh, a person was killed and so later on there was a court scene and a trial and he was asked to come and to be a witness no he had to go because he was ordered to do so by the court come and to give a witness uh, to what had happened there before his very eyes and talking to that man he said I wish that I had never witnessed that scene I wish I'd been doing something else instead of standing there looking out the door well that's beside the point he was there he did see it he was part of it and he was responsible for what he saw the court said so and they did not give him a choice whether he wanted to come or not he was subpoenaed and had to go and if he hadn't have acted the sheriff would have come after him now folk Jesus Christ is using a legal term you shall be my witnesses not that he's going to send someone after you but we are responsible for the knowledge that you and I have about what God has done through the Lord Jesus Christ and we are specifically told uh, that we are to make our witness of this knowledge that you and I have and not only that he tells us precisely where to make it now listen to these two things talked about within our scripture three things he said you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem I take that don't get lost by Jerusalem I take that to be back home what Jesus was really saying to him says you shall be my witnesses at home in our own house in our own community I would like to think that he was talking about the church too you shall be my witnesses right here right where you are this is a thing that you and I need to do today except the responsibility for the knowledge that you and I have about the commitment that God through Christ has made to us and to our church and to our community and we need specifically uh, set ourselves as a church to make sure that we do all that we possibly can to make our witness known right here in this community right where we are and that doesn't have to be a formal statement that we make as an individual or as a church it can be simply a way to live knowing that we know the Lord Jesus Christ it doesn't have to be anything formal about it at all how do you approach life do you approach it in a way that just you are on your own trying to make it or do you have confidence in the God that has ordered your way and that you respond to him and know that he is in charge and he will keep you in all the ways of your life do you live like that I remember a man saying to me one day talking to me about an old uncle that he had that loved him enough that when he died left him a large sum of money and I listened to that man tell me that story and I was glad for him because he was a nice fellow and it couldn't have happened to a better person he was just a wonderful fellow and I was glad for him but you know that didn't do me too much good 
But you know something? I am the son too, as you are, son and daughter of the king of kings and the God of gods. And he is fabulously rich. And when someone witnessed to you about their heavenly father, it's not that you don't have a father that interested and that concerned in you. You see, I didn't have an uncle that had that much money. And if, if I had one, he didn't love me enough to leave the money to me, uh, whatever he had. But I've got a father, and you have. You know, some time ago, I was called to come to the hospital to see a little lady that I had lost track of. Her and her husband were having a difficult situation with drugs, mainly alcohol. And it was one of these situations where I guess the little lady thought, well, if I can't lick him in the drinking situation and the drugs and all that sort of stuff, I'll just join him. And she did. And while I was ministered at that place, they sort of dropped out of the church. Didn't hear from them for a long while. In fact, it was the first time I heard from this person. And I was called by the nurse and asked to come. Well, I knew what I was going to find when I got there. I knew that I was going to find a very dissipated, initiated person who had completely lost her health, completely and totally. And I would go there when I'd find just some skin stretched across bones, call this person that I knew. I knew what I was going to find because it had happened several before. You know, this is the way we do things. We'll drop out of the church, another preacher will come along and we don't go to the church and, and we don't pay attention to that new preacher that comes. And then when something happens to us, why, we always call the old preacher, you see, because it's not so embarrassing. And so the old preacher was called to come to the hospital. They had a good preacher. She had a good preacher at her church, but she didn't call him. I understood. We preachers understand that. People drop out, and that's the way it happens. Uh, but and I just knew she was dying. Went to the hospital, prepared myself, knew what I was going to see, walked in the room, looked around, and saw the healthiest-looking person I've ever seen in bed. I couldn't believe it was the same person that I was expected to see, and she saw my surprise and my amazement. And she said, yes, I'm the same person. She says, I, some years ago, got a hold of myself, rededicated myself to the Lord Jesus Christ, and I've been trying to serve him faithfully ever since. My husband passed away, and I haven't been on anything for years. In fact, she says, I own my own business, and I'm doing quite well, and I just want you to come in here, and I want to talk to you, and I want to say something to you, and I want to tell you, uh, see if I can do something for you. She said, Preacher, do you need a new suit of clothes? She said, I'd like to buy you something. I said, tell me how you got to where you are today. And then she began to tell me her commitment and her dedication to the Lord Jesus Christ and how God had blessed her in a most marvelous, wonderful way. I said to her, you've done enough for me right here. And that's enough. I hear what you're saying. And what you have witnessed to me about God, that is the same God that loves me too. And that is the same Jesus Christ that I serve. And that is the same Holy Spirit that I look to to give me leadership. And you have reaffirmed my faith and my commitment in the Lord Jesus Christ. You have done all you need to do for me. You don't have to buy me anything. Do you see what I'm trying to say to you? Folk, let me tell you, when someone witnessed to you about the Lord Jesus Christ, they're not talking about an old uncle that you don't have. They're talking about your father that you do have. They're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ that is your Savior too. 
They're talking about the Holy Spirit, that is your spirit too, to enable you. And so I can be caught up in it. Oh, in a marvelous way. In fact, when she was giving me her witness there, if I said, now you're witness to me, I'd have probably stopped her right there. She was just froze right in her track. But when I listened to what her and God had been able to do when she made her commitment, I wanted to say to her, slow down. Slow down, let me enjoy this just a little more because you're talking about one that I trust, I believe in, and I'm committed to, and that God you're talking about is my heavenly Father too. Isn't it wonderful? That's what we're talking about. You have knowledge of wisdom and understanding about God and what he's able to do and what he will do that is absolutely fantastic. And there are people out there that you know right around you, home, here in the community, and we as a church, they're waiting to hear what you have to say waiting to hear but how in the world can God or the Holy Spirit use your experience unless you're willing to give this type of testimony to another human being I do not know anything that would make our church any greater than for you to just start telling another human being what God has done for you not something he did for you ten years ago but something he did for you this past week you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem that is at home. You shall be my witness in Judah. And I take that to mean my country. Oh, what a beloved land that you and I are privileged to live in. I didn't ask God for it, but I am so grateful that he saw fit in his infinite wisdom to make me part of this great land. Not the land that I had to come to, a land that I had to buy my citizenship or earn it in any other way, but God straight out, gave me the privilege of being a citizen of this great land uh, that you and I are privileged to be a part of. And dear friends, let me say to you that I do not know at a more or greater time that your witness is needed any more than right now. Well, this chaotic situation that the world is in today and all this atomic and hydrogen power that the world has, the possibility of them losing control and doing something stupid and crazy is a real possibility. And the only ones that are really going to save this world in which we're living is those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. My friend, it's not going to happen any other way. You shall be my witnesses right now. We need to give serious concern and thought to, to what we're doing within this world of ours. You shall be my witnesses in Judah and Samaria to all the world. And I want to tell you we're not doing too good about this business of our responsibility for the world. We only give about somewhere in the neighborhood of nineteen dollars to $20,000, about a tithe of our income from this church to go out to the world to serve to do exactly what Jesus has asked us to do. You shall be my witnesses, home, your country, and to the whole world. In the last place, whenever there's a trial and witnesses are called, you can rest assured something important is in question. Something is at stake important in every trial. Wealth, property, justice, man's freedom or life. I think about the soul of man, a life or death situation. That's exactly what Jesus was talking about. You shall be my witnesses. It's a matter of life or death for some people, for all of us. If a person is to be set free and to be given eternal life, it means that you and I will have to accept the responsibility for making our witness in order that men and women might be saved. And if we do not make our witness, how in the world 
will they ever be saved. And then the life and death of the Lord Jesus Christ is at stake. God did, Jesus fulfilled this possibility for you and I to be a part of the kingdom of God. And if you and I do not accept the responsibility for what God has done through Christ for each one of us, it all goes for naught, unless you and I are willing to make our witness. And then in the last place I would say to you, for the sake of your own soul, the radiant glow, the warm heart, the created dynamic winsome life is at stake right here. If you would be a winsome, loving, kind, considered, understanding person, you will be involved, first of all, in making your witness. This is the way that it comes. It doesn't come the other way around. It will come because you know Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord. And in making your witness, you will become that person that God, through Christ, intended for you to be. And we will be able to make a difference at home, in our church, our community, in our country, and in our world. And my friend, let me say to you, those of us who call the Lord Jesus Christ Savior and Lord, let us recommit ourselves to him in order that we might be able to do a better job and invoke the power of the Holy Spirit upon our lives each and every day. And for those of you who do not know Christ as Savior and Lord, oh, my friend, the hour has come. Will you give serious consideration to becoming a witness of the Lord Jesus Christ? The hour is late and the day is past and you cannot afford the luxury anymore of just drift along. If you have not made your commitment, why not this morning? If you feel the tugging of the Holy Spirit at your heart and your soul to change your life or to commit your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, will you come? Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of his words, finishing the work he started in making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven.